I V M. Okay, welcome to Cyrus Rewinds with me, Cyrus Brocha. At least that's what it says on the Aadhaar card as of now. I'm currently time traveling and taking you back into the past to revisit some of the entertaining podcasts we've done over the years, folks. These are going to be better than cricket highlights, so just trust me. Ready? Here we go. Uh, we've got a very interesting man coming on. He's a superb athlete. Uh, he's the pride of not just the Parsi community, but also whole of India. One of the most modern sports of all. Rathenkar. He's won lots of laurels and glory for the country. You're a Padma Bhushan and a Padma Vibhushan at the same time, which is a rare feat, Jehan. Please don't deny it. Uh, because the only way in, uh, in India, uh, if you want to get something, you have to say yes. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So, welcome to the show, Jehan. Lots of You're going to have to help us through this entire Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3 formula and explain the whole thing yeah. to us. So, two questions come to mind imagine, Jehan. One is, how do you afford to do this sport when petrol has gone to 109 rupees a litre? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you get people to push you from the bay when you start and all that because you don't want to save some money. I've been in neutral all day. I got up in the morning to go to the gym. I drove as much as I could in neutral. You know, I do this in old Parsi tradition just to save money. And the second thing I'm dying to ask you, please answer this. I know you guys wear helmets and all kinds of padding, but do you wear an abdomen guard? Actually, no, we have to go. Uh, we can't, not, not even allowed to wear boxes because they have to be fireproof. So uh, you only wear like a, a layer of fireproof clothing and any overall. So let, let me understand. So fireproof, 100% guarantee, so you won't get burnt in that area. But if you bang into something, you may lose a ball. It's fire resistant. So it's even not fully fireproof. It only gives you like 15 to 20 seconds more. Why would you even bother? It's hazardous sport. All right, let's go right to the beginning. Start from the beginning. You're only 22. You've achieved so much. Uh, of course, there's a lot of pressure on you now because you're seen as this bright new talent in the last few years. You've broken all kinds of records, made a lot of name for yourself. Keep reading about you in the papers. In fact, you're one of those names that has been there uh, so long that I was really stunned that you're only 22. I presume to be about 27, 28 by now because I've been reading about you for so many years. So, A, obviously, you started young. So, the first question is, how did Jehan... But there's also a little uh, Parsi stereotype here because many people who grew up with Parsis around them know that they're crazy about cars and bikes and, you know, obsessive yeah. gene is there. So, that that possibly is part of your story. So, let you tell us. How did it begin? So, honestly, uh, when I was seven to eight years old in Bombay, I used to just watch Formula 1 on TV. I was a bit of a crazy fanatic of watching races and stuff. But there wasn't much scope of, at least I thought of racing in India. So, it was just like a... A dream for me which never really went ahead and uh, actually one day my father travels a lot for work so he was uh, traveling around in a in a in the seat pocket in front of him he saw an advertisement that uh, Ryan Banerjee a fellow Parsi was uh, you know holding and organizing a, a camp in Pawai for young cutters uh, so it was actually on a weekend and I had an exam on a Monday so uh, you know I had to kind of convince my mom that uh, I need to go here and, and show my skills or, you know, whatever I can do. So I actually drove from uh, the other trip away with my dad. Uh, we went Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's how it was my first real time competing. How old were you? I was like nine years old at that time. But Jan, the one question, I don't know, uh, when you think about playing sports of any kind, footy, cricket, rugby, anything, there's some sports which you just take to. Right? You sort of, most guys say, oh, this is a sport I'm good at. Oh, I feel a connection with it and all that. What, when you get into a go-kart and you're nine or ten years old, did you ever feel that, oh, this is my thing? Did you get that 
that feeling immediately or is it something that by doing you slowly got better at it how does that work no definitely it was something that uh, you get better that you're doing but I, I enjoyed it from day one uh, but I'm a very, very competitive person. So when I'm not doing as well as I want to, I, I kind of don't enjoy, even though, you know, people say you you drive fast cars, how can you not enjoy? If I'm not delivering results and not doing well, the, the slight enjoyment does go away. So uh, when I was younger, I didn't really think about all that. There was no such thing as pressure or performing well. It was just uh, going out, doing what I love and driving a go-kart. So, you know, at that stage, it was... Uh, just all about uh, love and enjoyment of the, of the sport. So you're going for fun, you're having a great time, you're looking forward obviously to Saturday to go to do, do your go-karting etc. When does it become yeah. a competition in a professional sense? Understand that you're competitive and you know, obviously you have to be to achieve what you've done. But when do you suddenly find yourself in a professional sort of league? Yeah, so uh like i said that was at nine and then uh when i was 10 already i started racing for rio Banerjee's national team in, in india i did a couple of years in india uh, so that's when it started to become serious i did a uh, one year in asia i won the national championship i won uh, the asian championship as well and then after that i got picked as one of the three winners for the force india one in a billion hunt and that's when it all really got serious was uh I think it was 2012, I was 12 or 13 years old and uh, I decided myself that, uh, you know, I'll be racing a lot in Europe, so uh, I'll move and shift to England to a boarding school and, uh, you know, go there and live my life. So that's kind of when it all uh, became really serious. So you shifted? Yeah, I shifted. Why, why was it so go back to For Force India? Was that Vijay Malia's thing? Yeah, yeah. It was it's a one billion hunt program to find the next Indian for Formula One. Wow. So you're basically like his son, uh, in, a, in a sense, because he sort of discovered you with that Force India hunt thing and all that. Then you followed him to England, where you set up school, etc. So what were your parents yeah. thinking? Because suddenly this, this becomes like a very serious thing. What was a fun weekend with Mr. Banerjee and uh, sons? Suddenly it turns out to be, you know, firstly, cost to company went up. Secondly, you're going to leave yeah. the family. I mean, when did... How do they handle all that? Because it's no longer just a hobby. No, my, to be honest, I've been, uh, you know, very lucky with my, my parents. Uh, they've been very supportive. My parents, family, my mother, everyone has been super supportive of what I wanted to do so far. So uh, from that side, it's just been, you know, as long as I'm happy to go to England uh, and stay away from family and friends and pursue my career, then then they were, they were happy. So in that sense, I, I was really uh, privileged and... Uh, you know, had the opportunity to go abroad and, and pursue something I really loved. So when you reach England, how old are you? Uh, around 13, yeah, around that age. Wow. So, I mean, that's really young, honestly. You're suddenly away from that uh, happy family life, everything's taken care of, you're on your own. and But that probably your single-minded focus was very clear by then. So you were only thinking about racing after that. It didn't bother you where you were, what happened to you around you. Yeah, racing and passing my exams in school. Pretty much those were the two things that damn went it. through my mind. Yeah, yeah that, damn, that damn exam thing would continue to haunt everyone. So they, they take us for two minutes through what life was like in England. I mean, uh, there must have been a little bit of uh, adjustment for you. Suddenly, uh, you know, going from home uh, to a boarding school, not having the family and friends around for some time. Yeah, it was definitely difficult. Uh, firstly, because I joined uh, the school's year starts in September, but I joined a little bit later in January itself. 
and then even after i came to school uh, i used to be uh, i probably only had 20% attendance the whole year because the amount i was cutting uh, so i was not seeing too many people all the time when i had to come back to school i was catching up on school work and then i had not too much time off i love playing on the sports so it was really hectic i had uh, like 100 days where i was away from school in a over 100 days in a year i was away from school so there was a lot well, of they allow it and, the, yeah so it was, it was one like of the few of... schools that yeah it was like a sports uh, school that allowed you to have a I, I went to look around many schools in in England, and this was one of the schools like that were open to me having the time off. But when I did come back, they made sure that I was catching up on the work and uh, you know finishing my exams and stuff like that. So it was so difficult to find all... a good school. It's difficult Sorry. to find a good school anywhere. <laughs> Don't worry, it's difficult to find a good school here also. But but no, I'm saying no social life then. So you spend hundred days trying to go kart and compete and practice and train and all that, and then you come back and you have to catch up on studies and obviously you've missed out on stuff. So you've got that yeah. to do. So you went. So so your time just went. Yeah, I went. Uh, yeah, not a lot of social life. Say when I was in England, except for my friends at school. You know, I was in a boarding school, so we would spend time together in, on the weekend and stuff. Uh, but apart from that, I so only when I come to India, I have to take some, uh, you know, like you said, time off and and chill with my friends and stuff. But did you tell your friends in England, uh, the non, uh, the, the English ethnic English ones, uh, what Darawala means and stands for, and that you've got that pressure of a name which literally means alcohol person. Yeah, but I don't live up to that name. So, you don't drink. Very rarely. He doesn't drink and drive. Let's be very clear about that. Definitely not at the pace that he drives at. He drinks Red Bull. Let's just plug Red Bull. Red Bull is what he drinks. <laughs> Nothing stronger than Red Bull. So you're in England. You're, you're studying. You're doing this. What is the whole point of being in England? Is there a circuit that you follow? And please, you've got to now take us through this whole uh, Formula 3, 2, 1. How it works. How does one proceed up the ranks? Yeah, so it all starts from karting. Uh, I started karting in India. Like I said, I did a couple of years in Asia. And then uh, I went to England in 2012 for my first uh, year, probably competing in, in abroad. And uh, because all most of my races in 2012 and 13 were actually in England itself, so that's why I made the call to you know go there and live there. So that made it easier. And uh, so I did 2012, 13, 14 racing in England and Europe uh, in go karting. And after that, I moved up up the ranks into a uh, Formula Renault. Uh, nowadays. It's been six years since then, and it's a lot simpler. So, it's Formula Four, Formula Three, Formula Two, and Formula One is basically how they want you to proceed into Formula One. And uh, currently, I'm competing in, in Formula Two. Uh, I did a couple of years in Formula Three as well, where I finished third in the championship. And now I'm in my second year of Formula Two. So, you know, uh, hopefully, if all things go well, then I have a shout to go to Formula One. So we've had what the Ryan Kartikeyan uh, actually was in Formula One, or he was in Formula Two. No, he was in Formula One, and so is Karan Chandok. Karan Chandok also. So that that's yeah. so currently uh, you're in two. You will go to one. Once you go into one, you compete with the with the big guns, like the Lewis Hamiltons and Sebastian Vettels and all all the names. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, so so going. Let's go back to England. Understand again. So first uh, Formula Four, then three. I presume you have to win, right? How do you go up? You have to win. No, I think uh, you can go up even without winning, but as long as you're competitive in the previous category, then uh, you know a bunch of guys move up, like five, six people who are fighting at the front of of the races, fighting for the championship. 
they sort of uh, move up uh, through the ranks. As long as you're kind of winning races and proving yourself in in each category, then it's uh, you know the right step to move forward. Some people move forward without winning, uh, winning races and stuff, and they just end up lagging behind the whole time and don't have that uh, you know chance to move up to Formula One when they get to Formula Two. Okay, so take us take us through a little bit of the how does one train for this? Uh, and I want to ask one really stupid question. Do not get upset, but like. I think I can drive a car really fast. And growing up, you know, there are people who drive cars very fast and have good reflexes, etc. Yeah. Has there any bearing on becoming a champion racing driver? Because I, I, I can't imagine that that's the only prerequisite that you need to be good. No, I think, yeah, it's a lot different to driving a car fast on the road. Uh, first thing is, sport is super physical. People underestimate how physical racing actually is. Uh, especially in, in Formula 2, uh, we don't have any power steering. Uh, so the way that actually goes through the forces that goes through our arms is 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 really really heavy, and on top of that the g forces around corners, uh, you know we have to train a lot. So normally I I, I train five to six days a week uh, to keep myself fit. A bunch of stuff. Normally uh, I'm not a big fan of cardiovascular, but it, it needs to be done. But uh, you know uh, I love uh, strength training, training my neck, which is the most important part. For racing drivers, is uh, you know what we do. So I go through. I follow a pattern even when I'm in Bombay of like three days on, one day off. So uh, I do like yeah, strength fitness, cardio fitness, and like two strength, one cardio. Pretty much in those uh, three days on and one day off. I've been following this pattern for the last two or three years. One second, Jian. This is the training that you do outside the car. You're, you're yeah, talking, so now you're like, you're like a proper physical athlete who has to train for the sport separately itself. and then train his body outside the sport as well. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. you do this, just like you would if you were playing football or rugby or something. Yeah, I think the sad part about uh, is that when you get to Formula 2, there's actually not a lot of time that you, you drive. I have eight weekends in the whole year this year. And uh, apart from that, there's six other days where you have testing. Uh, apart from that, it's all banned, uh, you know, to cut costs down and stuff. They don't allow people to, to drive at all. So, in terms of actually being in a car, I'm probably in a car for 30 days in the whole year. But then you can do the simple thing of just riding a rickshaw and vanra. Uh, you know, I mean, if you try that, because I think that is, you think you can, tell me honestly, can you beat a rickshaw driver? Because those guys have perfected the art. I don't know how I they do it. I highly doubt. I can't beat a rickshaw driver in a rickshaw. But on a track, that's I for sure. Be I hope that's I'll... for sure. So, so, Jian, that's amazing. So, you don't get to practice physically uh, with the car as much as you would like to because of all these environmental issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, for cutting costs and stuff. So, we we do all of our practice. Like, simulated. Yeah, it's on a simulator. We have a simulators that we that we do most of our work. Hey, on. I do that with sex, bro. I do exactly the same thing with sex. Yeah. And it's the same environmental issues and all that. I'm not allowed to be with women, so I do the same thing. But don't we won't talk about that. I'm sure you'd why spoil your morning with those images. So the yeah. simulator, okay, but can that really work? I mean, do do you actually get better with something where you're not actually racing? I think uh, it's obviously not uh, the same as the real car, uh, but it's better. Let's put it this way: it's better than not doing anything. At least uh, you have some sort of. Uh, of feeling and, and perception of you learn tracks, you learn how you're going to uh, carry the speed and corners and stuff. But obviously, it's completely different now, at least for me, to, to real life. So, uh, but we still spend like 
you know, 50, 60 days in a year on a simulator. So it's not like uh, you know, we spend a lot of time because uh, probably as much time as we spend on track, we spend on a simulator in, in a year. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed that. Cyrus rewinds every Wednesday and Thursday and possibly other days, but for now Wednesday and Thursday. Also, do listen to the full episodes, yaar. You can find me at Cyrus Says on YouTube and I've been told that I'm also available on all the major audio streaming platforms. So stay tuned. Aray, it's time for my dog walk. Uh, Peter, 